Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of the Steelers flagship BTSC flagship podcast. The standard is the standard. That's right. It's myself, Lance Williams. We've been doing this for years. Lance, what's going on this evening? How are you? What's happening, Mr. Hartman, as I see your background is steadily evolving? Slowly. Slowly but surely. <laughs> you have the uh, the symbol to your left and behind yeah. you. You see mine stays pleasantly vanilla in the background. Hashtag Ikea couch. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I do have a chaise to my left that you can't see. But before we start the program, I want to send a big shout out to my big bro. Happy birthday. Happy 53rd birthday to a.k.a. Big Pats fan Tracy Sylvester. Big up to you, big bro. And uh, hopefully you had a fantastic day, and I want to thank you for for listening to the program because even as a Patriots fan, and I and I can't explain, I cannot explain. There's not enough time on the show. He still listens to the program, and he actually likes and subscribes to the program. So you guys have no choice in the live chat if you're not subscribed and you have not liked the program because even a Patriots fan does the same. One other shout out before you jump back in, Jeff, is want to give a big shout out to Joy Taylor, um, who does the show, I think, with Colin Cowherd and does some other stuff. Um, I responded to her and invited her to listen to our program. She's from Pittsburgh. I think they went to Woodland Hills High School. Her and her brother, Jason Taylor, the Hall of Famer, I believe they went to Woodland Hills, both from Pittsburgh. She had a Yens holiday shirt on. And I kind of told her I'm a Yenzer as well, one five two three three, all that stuff. And she kind of liked the comment, so I'm inviting her to listen to the program. Hopefully, she is listening. There you go, perfect. It's funny because Lance and I have been doing this now for I think six seasons, and when we started out, it was uh, Blog Talk Radio days. And I, I told the story before, but for anyone that's maybe new to the program, I had never even spoken to Lance Williams before the first time we went on the air. I literally it took me months to convince the then editor Neil Coolong to let me do a podcast, and he did. And he goes, "You're going to do it with a guy named Lance." And I was like, "Okay, when can I talk to me?" He goes, "Well, you go on the air in about 20 minutes." Oh, okay. And <laughs> we had probably about 200 people listen to the show, and slowly but surely, here we are. We're on the verge of 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're nearing almost 5,000. It's amazing. Almost 5,000 downloads a day on our audience. Yeah, platform. yeah. And, it, and we it, thank you guys. We thank you guys for that. And we went from talking on our phones, sounding like we were speaking in tin cans with strings connected to each other, to now we have these awesome, cool mics. I hope you are enjoying the improved quality and stuff like that. And um, it's 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 amazing how far the show's come. So, Lance, I just want to thank you for your time, obviously, with the show. Oh, and thank everything. you as well. I mean, it's been a fantastic ride. I can remember doing the show, sitting in a dark car out in front of Starbucks, <laughs> trying to get some Wi-Fi and trying to do the show and pick my daughter up from practice. I mean, I don't think you guys understand, listen to the program, the sacrifices that we've done to do this show and continue to do this show. But, Jeff, let me ask you the first topic of the show. All right, go for it. Give me your Bills post-game thoughts. In the, in the last couple of days, if there's, if there's anything that you've been thinking out, thinking about post-game uh, about this Bills game. Um. I guess, you know, based on what I do now for my second job with the website, I kind of don't have too much of a reaction of my own. It's more along the lines of reaction of the fan base. I really liked, I find it very interesting to gauge the reaction of the fan base. And right now, I feel like the fan base feels like this team is dead. Like they're just done. They're dead. Dead to rights. It's been fun. They revive the season and it's over with. And I guess I would understand that sentiment if, the, the the Steelers relied on help. They don't. They, they still control their own destiny. Now, the, the loss on Sunday night was not good. It was awful on so many different planes. And if you've listened to the Steelers hangover with Brian Anthony Davis and Tony Defio on Monday night, and if you listen to the brothers Schofields on the Stat Geek last night, they, they all dove into those statistics and theories and things like that. I just I'm shocked at the fan base, to be honest with you, because this team was 0 and 3, 1 and 4. We've talked about that a million times, and they've dug themselves out of the ditch. I wouldn't even call this a ditch. I mean, they lost one game 17 to 10. It was ugly. Five turnovers. Don't need to rehash all that. But at the same time, I'm like, 
this team wins two games, which let's be honest, the Jets is a winnable game. And the Ravens very well could be just resting everyone. I, I don't mind the Steelers' chances here, Lance. I mean, that, that's my general sentiment. You know, before I get into my thoughts of the game, I'm going to say something that is going to make me not popular. But you know me. I don't really care. You know you know me. You know, Homer and a hater <laughs> show, right? You know what I said about Steeler fans in general. Most Steeler fans, they ain't built for it, right? They're not built for the up and down and the topsy turvy nature oh, just of cut a to season. The chase, man, just cut to the chase. They are fair weather fans. Say it. They fair. They fair weather fans. <laughs> I'm gonna just say, and I'm, I'm not even gonna put a verb in there and say they are. I'm just gonna say they fair weather fans. <laughs> they, they, they just want it. You know, they want it right. They want it how they want it. They want their, their, their bread buttered. They want the fresh jam on it. You know, they want the fresh squeezed OJ and the eggs Benedict. They don't want to eat grits. They don't want to eat cream of wheat. I mean, they don't want to drink, uh, you know, Rocky style eggs in a glass. I'm sure you're cringing when I say that. I mean, they don't want it gritty. They don't want it grimy. You know, Steeler, I mean, I've been disappointed at times with the response of Steeler Nation. Look, if you're a Steeler fan and you're down, you're grizzled in this, like Jeff said, they control their destiny. Now, I understand. And at the time, you know, the title of the program is called, you know, is the problem. The problem is Randy Feetner, not Devlin Doug Hodges. But you know, the one thing that would distress me if I if I were in the shoes of people in the live chat would be Randy Feetner. And the more I listen to Tony Defio and who's bad, Brian Anthony Davis, and the more I listen to the brother Sco, that game plan was awful. It was absolutely awful. And I saw some talking heads in the Pittsburgh media try to kind of give him a pass by saying they didn't start passing it a lot until they were down seven. Wait a minute, pause. Down seven. Now you want to start chucking it? That's one score. And and Dave so astutely pointed out they were chucking it when they were leading. So the game plan was to actually go out and let your worst offensive player chuck the ball 38 times. Add the sacks, that's 42 pass plays. That is absolutely horrible. And so that leads me to the second point I want to talk about in this show is Jeff. Did the Bills' offensive game plan fail Duck? Is the problem Randy Feetner, not Devlin Duck Hodges? Well, we, I've, I've spoken about Randy Feetner a lot on this show. And the, the one thing I couldn't – I was watching the game. I was back home in my hometown of Wheeling, West Virginia. Shout out to all those that might be in and around that tri-state area. Um I was watching with my dad, and the funny thing is we were talking about uh, over dinner about what we thought the game was going to look like, what the what we were predictions were and stuff like that. And uh, the one thing that I said, and I said this on the show last week, was I'd love to see them be a little bit more creative. I'd love to see them give more to Duck Hodges, and they did exactly what I asked, period. And we just saw what happened. <laughs> I did not. I, I honestly didn't think that that would happen. I didn't think that if they put a little bit more on Devlin Hodges' plate, it would turn into four interceptions and maybe a couple others that could have been intercepted. Um, and so for me, I couldn't. I couldn't gripe too much because that's what I wanted. Like that's what I said. It's on the tape. I can't go back and change it. I'm not going to lie about it. I called for that. And meanwhile, you were the smart one that was saying conservatively aggressive. They were not conservatively aggressive on Sunday Night Football. If anything, they were overtly aggressive or overly aggressive. And because of that, that led to a lot of issues. But I have one question before I get your take. It's really simple. They turned the ball over five times. If they just turn it over three, do they win the game? It depends on which ones. Let's say if he doesn't throw the interception to White, well, he threw I two. think, well, the well, the one uh, where they were driving, <laughs> the one where they were driving. So and, you're talking and, about the uh, the one that was almost a pick six, if not for Matt yes. Tyler's hustle. Okay, yes. that one, and then the Deontay Johnson fumble immediately after the play after the Stephen Nelson interception and in return. 
If those two plays, yes. if they don't turn it over, do they win the game? Yes. I agree. And so because of that, you know, we can sit here and gripe about the game plan all that we want. If those two plays go the other way, we might still be griping about the game plan because that's what we love to do on this show. But it would be we'd be singing a different song. I mean, I, I, I guess I keep on thinking about that in the back of my mind, that even though it was awful on paper, when you look at the statistics and how many times they threw, if Duck Hodges doesn't throw the ball behind Deontay Johnson on the out route, if Marquise Pouncey doesn't roll the ball back to James Conner, which throws the entire playoff on the Wildcat, but here's the kicker. Why are you running the Wildcat anyways? You know what I mean? And so that was, so go ahead and, and wax poetic on Randy Feetner and your your obsession with hating him, which I'm on board with that. I'm not against that at all. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a bad note, right? I'm gonna hit a bad note like Levert, and I'm gonna borrow a, a, a quote from a Jay-Z song. I never meant to miss her at all. Look, I I don't care. I would criticize the game plan had they won. Having Duck Hodges throw it 42 times is not a smart idea. It is just not a smart idea. It just isn't. He is your worst offensive player. He's, especially, and, and Dave and those guys were talking about stats, especially when James Conner, was averaging five yards a carry. He was averaging five yards a carry. He was starting to roll. They got the ball to him in space. He catches the ball. He scores a touchdown. I mean, any points, they almost have to play the game a little bit differently. When they're in the red zone, it's almost like they should aim for field goals, not touchdowns. You just got to get points. This defense is so good. They need to put points on the board. Touchdowns are great, but, man, touchdowns are platinum, but three points are gold. I just I just couldn't get around that game plan. Let me give you a quote from, from the stat geek that I thought was great, and I want to get your comments on it. The quote was, creativity and gimmicky is not the same thing. And that's my problem with Randy Feetner is for him to be creative, I feel like he becomes gimmicky instead of being creative with formations, personnel groupings, uh, getting out of tendencies. I mean, come on, man. When Zach Banner is on the field, what are they going to do, Jeff? Oh, they're going to run the ball. And they're going to run. And yeah. they're going to run which way? Right at his side. And what's going to happen? They're going to load the box and stop the run. And they're going to get like one and a half yards to carry. Exactly. And this is what I would love for if Dave has the time to to just to ask. And, and Dave, if you're listening, what are the yards per carry when they bring him in and they run to his side? I, I'm going to say at least a yard and a half. Well, you're talking about predictability. So when you're super overly predicted, you're, you're predictable. That's the word I'm thinking of. When you're really predictable in terms of your personnel, your packages, and your play calling, I feel like you have no versatility and you have to turn to gimmicks. And it's not creative. Um, I, I think back to the past, and this goes back to when Ken Wisenhunt was calling plays, and then obviously Bruce Arians, and then Todd, Todd Haley even. Uh, they had enough forethought to when I've talked about these packages a lot in terms of personnel groupings, I, I was listening to the stat geek that I know you did too. And I encourage everyone to listen to all of our podcasts, but that was a good one. I thought that was a really good episode for those two guys uh, last night. And, and they talked about how it's just so predictable. Well then run it. it I, I think back to even Le'Veon Bell's time in Pittsburgh, what made him so great was that the Steelers were unpredictable wherever they put him on the field. They ran out of the shotgun better than anyone at, during that time. Uh, they didn't have to have Ben Roethlisberger under center. And when they, they had him in the in Le'Veon Bell's in sidecar right, sidecar left in the shotgun formation, they could run it, they could throw it, they could do whatever they wanted. And I think that is the biggest issue. And a lot of people, especially on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, the comment section, feel like people are piling on Randy Feetner and he doesn't have a lot to work with. And while when you talk about skill position players, because for the first time, 
in the last, I want to say nine years, the Steelers failed to have a skill position player represented in the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about that later. That's running back, quarterback, tight end, or uh, receiver. Yes, he does not have a lot to work with. You're missing your Hall of Fame quarterback. I get that. You, Your number one wide receiver is hurt. Understand that too. You miss James Conner for at least three games. That's tough. That should not change you using formations and personnel groupings that you think can win matchups and win football games. So I understand both sides of the coin. I understand that Randy Feetner has been handcuffed a little bit in terms of who he has available to him. I also understand that that's not an excuse to be vanilla and to be predictable. That's just my take. Yeah, because I like vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Vanilla ice cream is good, especially when it has like the little vanilla beans in it. You know, Haagen-Dazs vanilla is really tasty. It's better than Bluebell. It might be better than the generic Kroger ice cream or Giant Eagle. So there's some (laughs) differences in the quality of vanilla ice cream. Right now, the Steelers ice cream is Kroger or Giant Eagle. Can we at least get some Whole Foods, some Haagen-Dazs, some Dryers, or some Briars vanilla? I mean, I think that's all what Steeler fans are talking about. I, it, we already know that the Steelers are hampered and hindered by the personnel. They can't be doubly hindered by a coordinator that isn't creative. And here's the other thing, and I don't want you to talk about this, Jeff. You know what convinced me when I saw Duck Hodges throw it 42 times in a game is when Ben comes back, we all know what's going to happen when Ben comes back. Oh my gosh, that's not even a talking point. We all know the answer to that. I mean, we all know, like, if they throw it 42 times against Buffalo, one of the best defenses in the National Football League. It's important to say. In a must, basically a must-win game, you win this game, you pretty much solidify your playoff hopes. You beat the Jets, it's over, you're in, you're the five seed. Just imagine when seven comes back, what this offense is going to look like. Um, Pass, 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 and more passing. <laughs> I mean, it's just they are not going to play to this defense. But since we're still talking about this offense – are the Steelers making a mistake keeping Duck as the starter? We saw Tomlin come out um, and be pretty assertive in you know, his belief that Duck should remain the starter. Um, do you want to speak to any of his comments in his press um, conference? Do you think the Steelers are making a mistake keeping Duck as the starter? And just how short is the leash on Duck if he goes out and has a bad first half against the Jets? Okay, so I do want to bring up this uh, super chat, which kind of t- ties in with everything. And this is um, nine ninety nine says law offices of Minka and the Sack Brothers, the Steelers front four need help from the offense. And this kind of ties into what we're talking about, based on the fact that, in my opinion, it comes down to who's going to help the offense the most. And at this point, it comes down to basically, I hate to say this, but if it's between Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, it's pick your poison. You could die from both. <laughs> Which one do you want to die from? I mean, that's 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 what it feels like at this point. Quick or slow. <laughs> yes, because you've said it before, and I have to agree with you at this point. We don't, you don't trust Mason Rudolph to go out and win you a football game. Devlin Hodges, would you say that you trust him a little bit more, Lance? Yeah. Just a slight By hair. By hair. So with that said, and I agree with that sentiment, that it's a slight advantage to Devlin Duck Hodges. I, I There was no doubt in my mind that, that Mike Tomlin was going to stick with Hodges because he stuck with Mason Rudolph after his four-interception performance in Week 11 at Cleveland. So if we look at history of this season to indicate what's going to happen coming up, well, then it was a no-brainer for me. I was like, well, this is simple. He's going to give him – but here's the thing, and here's my question for you to kind of counter your question is, is the leash short for Devlin Duck Hodges when he goes out in the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey to play the Jets? Meaning, this is what happened in Week 12. Remember, Mason Rudolph went out, threw a pick in the red zone, couldn't do anything on offense. Offense was sputtering. Duck Hodges comes out in the second half. Here's the only the only issue is that if you were to go back to Mason Rudolph, you'd be going back to someone with experience, whereas Devlin Hodges just was kind of thrust in there. What are your thoughts on that? The, the leash better be as short as it is on a crazed pit bull 
<laughs> it it better be as short as it could be. They've got to beat the Jets. You can't. They they have to win that game. Egos be damned. They have to win that game. If, if you feel like you need to bench Duck and put Mason Rudolph in for a spark to win that game, if Duck sucks in the first half, I mean, you've got to sit him. This is the season. They have to beat the Jets. And, you know, we'll talk about playoff scenarios at the end of the show. But, yeah, I mean, neither one of these guys, to me, has earned the trust of the coaching staff to where they could play whatever type of football and the leash not be short. It has to be short in this game. Let me tell you this. I'll give you one reason why Devlin Hodges should be the quarterback, and that is because despite the horrendous – horrendous play that he had and he had a horrible game he would tell you that he said it multiple times after the game said it today in his media availability he had throws to the end zone to tie the game at the end of the game yes and he he made the plays to get them there he has made plays mainly to james washington down the field my gosh those two have a really good connection there are bright spots to ducks game i can't say the same from the last I remember of Mason Rudolph. I remember talking a lot about potential and upside of Mason Rudolph, not so much concrete evidence. And to a lot of people that kept on saying duck, 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 and all those stupid duck emojis back in week <laughs> six and seven. But hey, here's the thing. And you probably have your little duck there. He's looking, looking for, for my duck. <laughs> I, can't, I can't find it. My duck's but no, here's, here's the thing though. I mean, Mason Rudolph made some plays. Ducks made a lot of plays. There it is. He's got the duck. I think you have to play Devlin Hodges. He's proven that he can make plays. He is more mobile in the pocket. Whether that's a good mobility or bad is debatable. You've talked about it a lot. And when you watch film that he moves into pressure sometimes, he leaves when he doesn't have to. He's a rookie. I get it. But he's also made plays. That's why you have to start Devlin Hodges because like that commenter said that he gave us nine ninety nine in the tip jar. Basically you need someone that can just provide a little bit of life for this defense, because this defense is good enough that a little bit of life will lead to a win. Period. Is anybody in the live chat? Listen, seen the movie uh, kill bill. I think it was kill bill one, maybe kill bill two. You know what you need right now going into this jets game. Cause Jeff is smiling. Have you seen that movie, Jeff? Uh, I actually have not, believe it or not. You have not seen that movie? I have not. Well, I, I think the guys in the live chat, and I'm not going to say it because I want to stay monetized, but there there was a character <laughs> named Buck in that movie, and we kind of all know what rhymes with Buck, and that was a statement that that guy said in the movie, and when you get Duck, Duck is that guy that's just, man, he's balls to the wall, man. You need a crazy lunatic dude on the road to go out there and not be scared and just go slaying that thing and not be afraid to make a play. Because he's going to have to make a play on Sunday for them to win the game. And I feel like Mason Rudolph, after a bad performance, cannot bounce back like Buck. Or excuse me, Duck. <laughs> because Duck, Duck's an undrafted dude. And, and Duck's like, look, man, I may never be on this stage again. I think like Duck is the guy that to go out there forget it, erase it from his mind, and still go out there and play conservatively aggressive within the game plan. And like you said, even in that game, they only lost by seven with four intercepts. Like, as bad as he played, they were only down seven. And I still think you need that level of moxie to go out there to compete on the road. But besides Duck... And we know that Duck is inconsistent. What else do you think is missing from this offense? You know, what position group or what player can give Duck the level of support that he needs to play effective football? Well, Cody Marshall puts $2 in the tip jar and says, number 78, speaking to Alejandro Villanueva and the whole offense, got to work on penalties. We've said it before. I'll say it again. This is a delicate offense. They cannot withstand negative plays in any way shape or form that's in penalties that's tackles for losses that's sacks the offensive line is going to have to up their game if they really want to make a push if they really want to make the playoffs they're going to have to up their game and that's in run blocking as well as 
in, in pass protection because they even they surrendered more sacks, I want to say, on Sunday night than they had all season. Um, and so I look at this and say that the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, if it's as good as it says, as everyone says that it is, and I think that's been the diehard fan, not the Fairweather fan that you mentioned earlier. They've been watching this and kind of like they don't tout that offensive line as much as they used to. You know, they used to man, our offensive line's the best. Mike Munchak's the best. We're the best. Blah blah blah. And they were the best. But are they still the best? I no, test. The no. I test says exactly. The no. I test says no. And there's a couple players in particular that are really, in my opinion, are just really not playing good football. And one of them's Ramon Foster. Um, yes. As, as a yes. guard, he's his lack of athleticism, his lack of speed. It just doesn't seem to mesh with everyone else. Marquise Pouncey is Marquise Pouncey. Um, and even he's had, in my opinion, we'll talk about the Pro Bowl a yeah. little bit later. Even he's had an up and down year. I mean, he's missed a couple of games, and you know he may have made the Pro Bowl for kicking a dude in the head, maybe. You know, just because every offensive lineman in the NFL was like, "Yeah, I would have kicked him in the head." Ding, he gets my yeah. vote. Uh, I mean, I think you're right. This offensive line is the best group on that offense. It has to go on the road and choke the life out of that front in New York and go win that game. But I don't want to stick to uh, this game too long. I want to switch rails and kind of move towards the Jet game. Is there anything else you want to say about this offense, Devlin and Doug Hodges, or about the Bills game before we move to the Jets game? I'm, I'm still kind of surprised that they lost that game. Period. I, 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 I am really just kind of. I still sit there and then I'm writing, writing articles. I'm like, oh, they got they lost on Sunday Night Football at Heinz Field. I'm like, they lost on Sunday Night Football at Heinz Field, wearing a color rush and such a huge atmosphere, a huge game in the month of December. I still can't. I still can't believe they lost that game. But it is. Yeah, what it is. yeah. I was just really surprised. That, I, I got. I got that vibe from Tomlin too. Not to interrupt you. But on Tuesday at his press conference and like his, his opening monologue, so to speak, you could just kind of tell like that that loss that hurt that hurt big time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know they kind of and you know and kudos to to Dave, you know the Bills out Steeler to Steelers. And I, when I watch the game again, I'm like, man, this, this is kind of how the Steelers offense should look, you know. Don't put the guy into some bad situations. Take some shots. I mean, I think Josh Allen completed like 13 passes for like 150 yards. What does it say that last week the title of our show was the Steelers found their identity, and then they do that on Sunday Night Football? Yes, then they do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that's that's just. And we're not. We have no. If you're just tuning in for the first time, like, do these guys have some say in the game plan? No, we don't. But at the same time, we watch all the games. We know a lot about the team, and we thought we felt like finally the Steelers have found their identity. Trying to run the football, control the clock, minimize mistakes, be conservatively aggressive, and then they do that. And then they do that. Let's switch to the Jets game. Jeff, take us through the injury report. Well, good news on the injury report is that um, everyone returned in some way, shape, or form. Um, So Vance McDonald, who missed last week with a concussion, was a full participant. So barring a setback, that's good news if you believe that Vance McDonald can help this team. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was limited. Finally, the Steelers' medical staff has a brain inside their skull and says, oh, this guy's coming off three straight weeks. Why don't we ease him into it and not throw him out on the field and let him go full bore and have him – basically have a minor setback, which is what he experienced last week. So they have him as a limited participant. They'll see how his knee will respond and then he'll come back. Other than that, there were some guys that were given veteran days off, but nothing that was, I think someone missed. Oh, Artie Burns got sick. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's good. You're bad. <laughs> he was on the injury reports. So I have to say that. Uh, but other than that, the injury report was, was rather clean. They didn't suffer any new injuries in week 15 at all. Although the Steelers treat tight ends in the offensive game plan as if they have feet for hands. Well, Nick just... Vanette, Nick Vanette had how he had a decent number of catches for like 40. I think he had eight catches maybe for 40 some yards, or maybe it was more than that. Huh, eight, did he have eight? Yeah. Well, the, well, maybe. Well. And I've always thought that Nick Vanette has a lot of upside as a blocker and a passer, and they just have never used the tight ends in the latter portion of that description. 
yeah, they they won't do it. But let's let's jump into this breakdown uh, of the Jets game. And I want to do it a little bit different. And so I'm going to ask a series of questions and you can wax poetic on them. And this may get you to your eventual prediction of the game, which we know you're going to predict who you're going to predict anyway. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. Yes, we don't know it. (laughs) We absolutely don't know it. So let me ask you this. Let's start off because we kind of think we know what this identity of this team should be. And one of those things that they have to do to win games is to limit turnovers. So let me just ask you the the elephant in the room question. Will 21 become 22? Uh, Yes. Just that simple. So, so if twenty one becomes twenty two, and listeners, we're talking about will the Steelers turn over the ball in a twenty second consecutive game? Yeah, will it be a pick or will it be a fumble? Probably both. I mean, that's the thing. It's not just one. It's not just one way anymore. It's not just Devlin Hodges slinging the ball around. How did? It, it, I mean, it was it was insane how it, Deontay Johnson puts the ball on the turf so much. He's a rookie too. I get it. I'm patient with some of these things, but you deliver one of the best stiff arms on Tredavious White I've seen in a long time from a receiver, and then you put the football on the turf. Now they didn't lose that fumble, but it's still it's it's discerning to see that. Um, and Devlin Hodges is loose with the ball in the pocket, and he had a couple fumbles. I just think right now that I would be stunned if this streak ended uh, against the Jets. It just doesn't look like it's the way that they're set up. I'm going to go with the pick. I I agree with you, and I think it's going to be a pick and a fumble. I was going to say Deontay Johnson. Deontay (laughs) Johnson's ball security is bad, and he does little things that I'm sure drives the coaches nuts. For instance, he will not switch the ball. He'll be running through the left boundary. He will keep the ball in his right arm exposed to the field where he could get knocked out where he could fumble, where he's supposed to switch to his left, where his left arm is to the boundary out of bounds, and he won't switch it. I feel like he'd fumble at switching. He probably would. <laughs> like, like he he probably would. Like, any time, like, he just carries the ball away from him. So let me jump into the, the next question, topic number two when it comes to the Jets. Who will be the most targeted player in the game? Um, I'll go with... I'll go with Deontay Johnson. I don't How many know why. targets? How many? I'm going to go with eight. Hmm. I'll go with eight targets. That's I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to throw. You got to remember, targets can be also those little shallow crosses, or right. if they run a jet sweep. That technically is still a pass. It's still a target. They use him in those type of plays and those positions more than James Washington. James Washington, I'll say he'll get six. Huh. Okay, so that's 14. So keeping it on the targets. So if they get 14, how many how many targets do you think or how many throws will there be for the game in total? 23. 23, huh? I think I'm pulling Connor, these numbers I'm pulling these numbers straight out. Maybe these would be <laughs> but I'm trying I'm trying to lead you kind of steer you in a certain direction because <laughs> if you say 23 yeah, I'm going to say they run over 50 snaps, but let's say 60 snaps. Okay. Um, and so I think the most targeted player, hopefully, uh, will be James Conner. I think James Conner will get seven to eight targets. Uh, well, do you have the, you probably don't know off the top of your head how many targets he had last week. I'm going to say he maybe had five or six targets last week. Okay. And I can pull up the game book here. Um, so you're saying you're saying because that's another question I have about how many throws. So you're saying 23 throws. Let's just say 25 throws. Sure. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think 25 throws is about it. And that's kind of where it should be. Let me give you the distribution from last game. Uh, James Washington got 11 targets. Deontay Johnson got seven. Nick Vanette got six. James Conner had five. Johnny Holton had two. Samuels, Gentry, Jones, and Kane all had one or two targets for a total of 36 targets. Johnny Holton having two is a crime, but go ahead. But he actually had two receptions for (laughs) minus one yards. That's tough to do, man. I mean, you have to really try hard. To, you have to really to not try hard. Gain a yard on two receptions. 
So let me ask you another question pertaining to the offense in this game. Sure. Run pass percentage and breakdown. So let's let's keep it at 60 plays. I don't think they run 60 plays personally, but go ahead. We can go to 60. So what's your run pass breakdown in, in terms of run pass percentage if they ran 60 plays? Well, I mean, if, if they run 60 plays and I say, well, they throw it 25, I mean, you do the math. They're definitely running it more than they are passing it, which immediately gives me pause because then I think to myself, there's no way Randy Feetner would run it that many that that much comparative to throwing the football. But this is typical Pittsburgh Steelers knee jerk reaction to an to a bad game, and that is we're going to go from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other in the drop of a hat. And it just happens to be against the league's one of the league's best rush defenses in the New York Jets. So this could be this could look like someone taking their head and banging it against the wall repeatedly over and over again. I don't know. I'm gonna say that the Steelers are gonna do it'll probably close to two to one run to pass is what I'm predicting, but I, I just don't know if that's gonna happen. What about you? I think you're about right. So last game they ran it, they, they ran 56 plays. And when Duck plays, they kind of run around, you know, anywhere between like 55 to 60, 62, 63, kind of somewhere in there if they're kind of winning a time of possession battle. I, I think you're right. I, I think what we've seen even under Haley and under teams, when teams realize that they got away from their identity, I think teams have a tendency of overreacting and they really want to get back to their identity. I think they'll come out and be a little – overly conservative but not creative and really try to establish the run and really try to protect protect duck i should say and get duck in a rhythm so i think it'll probably be two to one you know i like your play distribution where they'll run it 35 times pass it 25 times if they run it 35 times jeff what do you think their yards per carry will be um as a team i'm gonna say it's gonna be just under four I'll say like 3.8, 3.7. Nothing that's going to be mind-boggling, but it's going to be enough that they can control the clock, like you said, create manageable down and distance, stuff of that nature. I think that if they run the ball 35 times, they probably win too. You think you agree with that? I agree. I think if if they put themselves in a position where they could get their normal number of sacks and turnovers and they can run it 35 times, then they probably win that game. I think that's the formula for a victory in the game so jeff give me your offensive keys for this game we've kind of talked around what it'll kind of look like in terms of number of plays will they turn it over targets i wanted to frame it that way so you could jump into your keys on offense and what do you think this offensive game plan should and will look like yeah i'm gonna get to that in a second but snowman puts five dollars in the tip chart and this is a quick question for you lance who do you want for offensive coordinator if the steelers were to replace randy feetner is there anyone off the top of your head Yes, not you guys are you, you, no, you guys are gonna hate it because we're talking about running and running the football to support this defense and being a little more conservative and not turning over the football. But I'm gonna say Eric B enemy of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I love what they do on offense. I love how they stay aggressive and really attack people. I don't think they run it enough, which is one of the reasons why I think they're not as good defensively because they're in such fast break mode that their defense plays a ton of snaps. And I think it gasses itself out and sometimes they need to slow it down. But I like Eric B enemy. I think they do great stuff in Kansas City. And I know Ben would love it because that would give him an opportunity to throw for 6,000 yards in a season. So I'm sure he would be excited and he could buy on to that. I would go a different way. Now, this guy is currently a coordinator on an NFL team right now. He knows the Pittsburgh Steelers, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh -oh. had a good relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. So Ben Roethlisberger would still be able to run his deal. I don't know if they would be able to poach him away from his current job. I think that would be no, none of them Byron Leftwich, who's down in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. um, he you know he knows Pittsburgh, knows what Ben likes to do. He's been here. He's he knows the system. He knows Mike Tomlin well. Might not be a bad, you know, and, and even I think he would be unique enough and individual and individual enough that even if Roethlisberger and he's still here when Roethlisberger leaves, he could still run an offense. He's not like what we're seeing with Randy Feetner, where we've said multiple times, like, oh, my gosh, Ben's not there. What do I do? 
And this is why yeah. my co-host is awesome. This is why the standard the standard is the best dealer show. That is a great pick. That is a great pick off the top of your head with, with Byron Leftwich. Because currently he's the OC down in Tampa Bay, right, with Bruce Arians, yes. correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, and I think that Leftwich could hold Ben accountable in a way as a former starter that maybe a coach couldn't. Like, look, Ben, we got to tighten this up. Like, you you can't turn the yeah. ball over here. Like, you, you, you know yeah. I know. You know I know. I've started in this league as well. You can't turn it over yeah. here. We've got a great defense. We we got to dial this back a little bit and play to their strength. We need points, not turnovers in the red area. I think that would be a great pick, but we all know that's not going to happen because Randy is Ben's guy. I've just started calling it Randy Land. Welcome to Randy Land, folks. You don't know what you're going to get, and there's not going to be any apologies. Welcome to I Randy. got a name for him. I got a name for him, Jeff. Randy Roethlisberger. <laughs> that's not bad double r <laughs> double, double r, r. randy Roethlisberger. he sits on ben's shoulder when he goes <laughs> out onto the field he's a little puppet randy oh, Roethlisberger. Oh, maybe jeff that's a great idea you know maybe you should talk to the guys and put out a little puppet for christmas for stocking stuffer randy Roethlisberger. it's feet there but it's hashtag double r randy Roethlisberger. after our last uh t-shirt i'm not sure what we're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Duck season. E. Now, yeah. if he gets into the playoffs, that's a different story. Yes, uh, yes. Before I get into the offensive keys, I want to make sure, and I'll put this on the little ticker that is below. Make sure if you're watching this video, whether it's live on YouTube in playback or if you're listening in audio form and didn't know we had a YouTube channel, make sure you help support the channel. It doesn't cost any money at all. Like the videos, comment on the videos. Um, share the videos and subscribe to the channel. Go and hit the notification, the bell on once you subscribe. Set up your notifications so that it's tailored to you, whether that's push button notification on your cell phone or via email so that you never miss a live show. And if you only listen on audio platform, and there's a lot of people that are like that, make sure whatever channel you're on, whether it's Stitcher, especially iTunes and Google Play, give us a five-star rating, give us a good comment, and it really, really, really helps with us actually getting ourselves up in priority when it comes to Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. And I think we are the best. I think we're the best channel out there, Lance. So support us. It doesn't cost anything. Hit that like button. We appreciate it. And you so, know what that means. Let me explain that a little bit more real quickly. When Jeff yeah. says priority, when you type and you do a search in a podcast, that means when Steelers shows pop up, you see our show. Yes. So you, you see our show, so you hit it, boom. There's going to be a couple other shows. Forget those shows, except for CC. If you see friend of the program, Chris Carter, subscribe to his show and also subscribe to ours. And, yeah. and that's how you do it. But, but break this game down for us. Give me your offensive keys, Jeff. Well, I mean, my gosh, the first one, that is, it should be the same one Ed, for the last 20, 21 games. <laughs> Protect the football. Do the best you can to minimize damage. Don't hurt yourself. And I think that if that's key number one, key number two is what we've talked about, and that is don't be don't be predictable. And that's that's ridiculous with something that Dave talks about. And he was an offensive line coach, and he coached in high school. He knows the intricacies of the line play much better than I do. And and he talks to me at length about how certain packages. He goes, "My gosh, I could tell you exactly what they're going to run when they break the huddle." And it's scary how many times it actually plays out that way. That can't happen in the NFL. If it happens in high school, you're like, eh, they're high school kids. These are not. These are professionals. Time to grow up, get it out of Randy Land, uh, Randy Roethlisberger, and let's let's call a good game, period. Let's call a good game. And the last, if I'm doing three keys, lean on lean on the guys that you know you can lean on. And that means that, like, you, if James Conner, ride him. Exactly. Ride him. You know, I, I understand that Benny Snell looked good in his minimal time. I know that Kareth White is a good change of pace back. Jalen Samuels, look, it, Trey Edmonds, why is he – he doesn't need to be have a helmet. He just doesn't. If James Conner is fully healthy, he doesn't need a helmet. So I want to see him run the ball, utilize James – you know what, if you want to know exactly what I want to see, go back and watch the Chargers game in week six. Devlin Hodges started on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers – they ran James Conner to death in that game. He touched the ball so many times, it was ridiculous. Passing game, running game, he, he basically won the game. That's what I want to see. 
because that's what they're going to have to do to win this game. Um, it is a good defense in the New York Jets. Uh, they do like to stop the run, so you're going to have to be creative in terms of how you run the football, but you can't just give up. I think the Steelers' offense will have to do just to do enough. This is a game, I say, score 17, and you might walk out with a win. That's you know what, Jeff? That that That's a great point, and I, I think I'm going to go re-watch that Charger game, but you're right. Lean like lean on James Conner. Like, who cares at this point in the season? And, and, and I don't want to say it. Where he I'm, cares about his health and well being. You know, I, I don't want to say it that way. I don't want it to make it sound that way. To where I'm being extremely <laughs> frivolous about some other person's health. But I'm going to say this: If you ask James Conner that if they win this game, and this game, if they win this game, it guarantees that they will go to the playoffs if that's a deal that he could make and if he knew that he would bust his shoulder out he would bust his shoulder out to get this win for them to go to the playoffs and you know he wants to go to new york and outplay mr butt naked and rob that's you know, a whole another discussion you, that I want you, to get into. You know he wants to do that. He wants to show Mr. Butt Naked and Rob what's up. You know he wants to do that. I love your keys. I love your keys, Jeff. Uh, you know, I think they're spot on. That game plan against San Diego to me is the game plan that they should follow on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, I think you gotta be smart with the way that you rush Sam Darnold, because, again, they're, they're facing another quarterback that is fairly mobile. They faced Kyler Murray, Allen, and now Darnold, three guys in a row. They've also faced Lamar Jackson. So I think they have a plan in terms of how they rush. You can't rush past a guy. You can't get too far upfield. I think when you look at Sam Darnold, you want to put Sam Darnold in third and long situations. You really want to make him uncomfortable. So you really need to chop off the head of the snake. And that's you have to limit Le'Veon Bell in the running game. Because I think they're going to try to attack the Steelers uh, with Le'Veon Bell in the passing game. So I think this isn't a game where you're going to see a ton of Vince Williams. Because I think you do. If you do, that's a matchup that the that the Jets will try to take advantage of immediately. I think you'll see a lot of Baron in this game, and I think you'll see them try to target either of the inside linebackers with Le'Veon Bell. But this is a game where you've got to put Sam Darnold in consistent third and long situations. They have a couple of deep threats in Demarius Thomas. I think it's Bobby Anderson, um, the wide receiver as well. It, Darnold is an indecisive young player. I don't think Darnold has even started 16 games yet. One Another key matchup is going to be Kelvin Beecham Jr. versus Bud Dupree. That's going to be an interesting matchup there. Uh, former teammates practice against each other, guys that are going to go up against each other. They're going to have to put the same thing. It's the same thing every week. They're going to have to get after Darnold. They're going to have to turn him over. But I think that all starts with choking off the running game. You stop Le'Veon Bell. You hold him to about three, three and a half yards per carry. You put the game in Sam Darnold's hands. He is going to make some bad decisions. You turn the ball over. You win the football game. And I think they can really get after this Jets offense. Is Sam Darnold, did you say he's mobile? Yes. Well, maybe I just haven't watched enough film of that guy. I never thought that he would be considered given the mobile tag. He, he can run. Yeah, he's mobile. Def- you talking definitely. like Baker Mayfield mobile, or are you talking like I'm Josh talking like Allen? Baker? I'm talking like Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield mobile. Where so Josh Allen, who has nine rushing touchdowns, he's that mobile. He's not mobile in the sense where he's like fast and elusive, but he's mobile in the sense that he can escape the pocket. He can run for a first down. He's kind of like Aaron Rodgers sort of mobile. Okay. Not like, a duck, where, like Duck Hodges mobile. Because yeah, Duck can run. Yeah, so not where you're going to call runs for him. Gotcha. But it's enough to where if you rush past him and you give him a running lane, he could tuck it and get seven or eight and get into a second and two and then convert third downs. This is a tackling game as well. This is a game where – you want to make Sam Darnold and that offense earn every single yard because if you can tackle, limit yards after the catch, I don't think they consistently can make plays. So I don't think you have to be overly aggressive defensively where you have to sell out, blitz them, do all that stuff. 
I, I think you can LeBow it a little bit, not give up the big play, choke off the run, get him into some third and long situations and get after him because he's the guy that famously said on a Monday night football game, I'm seeing ghosts. Let's. I want to get to this little super chat before I forget. I don't trust me. I want to talk about that. Mike O'Malley puts five dollars in the tip jar and says, We don't have the next franchise quarterback yet. We have to find the replacement sooner rather than later. Also, have to get a confident OC. I want to talk about this later, but look, finding your next franchise quarterback is not easy. We'll just put it that way. I'm gonna get <laughs> just look at just look at Cleveland, they don't grow on trees. Okay. Um, but I wanted to bring that up so. Le'Veon Bell, the Jets. They're, the, the Steelers are already saying all the right stuff. You know, Marquise Pouncey says he loves Le'Veon Bell, that they're not going to break the quote-unquote brotherhood of an NFL locker room. You know these guys want to get some of this guy. Am I right or am I a little off? Absolutely. Just from a competitive, even if it's not coming from a negative perspective. Now, this is personal, man. They screwed that team. He screwed that team over and didn't show up. I don't care if James Conner made the Pro Bowl and all that stuff. He me, screwed them over. Let me just keep it 100. They want some get back. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> they want some just get back. Just call straight up like you called <laughs> all the fans out there, Fairweather fans earlier. <laughs> yeah. The they want some get back. Yeah. They, they want some get back, you know. Yeah, they want to. In fact, I, I'm gonna keep it really 100. They want to get in that ass. Pause. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Pause. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. They, 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 they want some of that fanny. They want to tear that fanny up in this game. They want to put licks on him. And I'm telling you, every time, and you'll see it very soon. If somebody gets a shot on him, and I suspect it'll be Bud Dupree. Yeah, he's gonna do something. He's gonna say something. <laughs> he's gonna absolutely say something. Because Bud um, Dupree was the one that ransacked the locker. He was the first yes, one that ran over yes. the taking shoes and all this stuff. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. They, they, they want some. They want some of that. And they do not want him to be able to say, yeah, we kept y'all out of the playoffs. That would be a tough pill to swallow. And so to extend that, Jeff, it's not just him. I'm best believe Tomlin wants some of that, too. Like, 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 oh yeah, like Tom, I know Tomlin is talking about this all week. Oh yeah, we gonna get some of that this week. Oh yeah, like I am sure, I am sure that Tomlin is. They probably got his highlights on, on loop everywhere in the facility. Where by the time they get to the Meadowlands, if they still play up there in Jersey in the Meadowlands, they are absolutely pissed. And they're ready to kill some Le'Veon Bell, Mr. Third, or excuse me, Mr. Butt Naked and Robbed. robbed. Now, look, if for me, um, and, and Dill Whitted says, and he's right, and he said, come on, it was you that said players should not need any motivation to do their be very best regardless. And no, I, I, I absolutely did say that. I'm not backtracking on those comments, but anyone with a heartbeat that cares about what's going on within their team, their organization, when you feel like you've been wronged, it's natural to want some retribution. It's natural to want some revenge. And if you've ever played a team sport that is offense and defense and offense versus defense, and you've always had an offensive player that might act a certain way, that might get away with certain things, and he's really good, but boy, there are some times where you would like to just lower your shoulder and just level that man. You get your chance. You take it. And what I mean by that is that yeah. Le'Veon Bell's missing walkthroughs before playoff games. He's holding out on the team, and I understand why he held out. I don't think people were upset about that. I think they were upset he didn't tell them that he wasn't coming back. You better believe you want to get your shot, period. You know? You know, I have an older brother, and so we played sports against one another, and I never was on an opposite team as him, but we played in practice a lot against each other in the sport of lacrosse. You better believe if my brother was going across the middle, even in practice, I'm going for him. Then he slapped you up at home. No way, man. Not in college. Not in college. <laughs> Did he slap you up for like the first 18 years? He slapped years? me up for like the first 18 years, and then I started lifting weights, and I said, I'll take over. <laughs> but so no, it's just one of those things, man. It's like that rivalry. You want to, you want to, 
it has nothing to do with this anymore. Like, really, this is a non-story. If, if Mr. Third and Fifth came back, it'd be a whole different story. But Mr. Buttnaked and Rob, man, he – the players understood what he was doing. He didn't do it the right way, I don't think. But don't don't think that they don't see, like, hey, you could be here right now. And you you're, you didn't. You chose to be somewhere else. And so we're going to make you feel it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And we're talking about football players. I mean, come on, man. You know, they – they are used to exacting punishment physically. I mean, we're talking about an NFL where a coach famously choked another coach in a meeting room and kept his job for the entire season. I mean, football culture is different. Some of these, some of these beefs are settled violently in between the lines and they can be as long as you do it to the whistle and within the rules. So it's prediction time, Jeff, give me your score and who's the winner. Um, I'm pretty sure that the latest, the latest line for those degenerate gamblers out there, um, the latest line was the Steelers were giving two points, I believe, on the road. That might have changed. If it did, it, it's been fluctuating frequently with the Pittsburgh Steelers as of late. I think the Steelers are going to win this football game. Surprise, surprise. Let's play the breaking news music. Dun, 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 dun. You know, all that stuff. Breaking news. Jeff predicts the Steelers to win. I think that the defense is really going to show out. Minka Fitzpatrick gets a turnover. Calling that. And by the way, not to toot my own horn, but you can go back and check the tape. I tweeted out two seconds before Steven Nelson's interception. I smell a turnover coming. <laughs> not joking. People are like, oh my gosh, you caught it. Yeah, damn right, I caught it. Um, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers winning this game 23 to 16. It's uh, not 23 to 16. Yes. Yeah, I like that score. And I'm sorry, Steeler Nation. I know everybody on the live chat is no, no, but that, that's not even accurate now. Because if you're new to the show, everybody hopes that I don't pick the Steelers. That's true. Because if I pick the Steelers and lose, that means the Steelers will win. But I'm sorry. I'm picking the Steelers to win this game. I think that defense goes on a the road. They dominate. I think they run the ball effectively. I think Duck plays a much better game. I'm almost, no, nah, I'm not going to go that far. I think they win the game. <laughs> Rod Young says no. <laughs> um, I think the Steelers win the game 24-13. I think they get back to sacking the quarterback, taking the ball away, running it fairly effectively, and playing and making a couple of big plays. I do not like the Jets secondary. I punished myself since I'm off for the remainder of the year. I actually watched four consecutive Jets games. Please shoot me. You should never have to and punish yourself by watching four Jet games. The Jets aren't very good. Sam Darnold is inconsistent. But I think they go out and they actually beat up the Jets and they win this football game. So, unfortunately, Joe and Joe Shumney or Shumway. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe, if I bashed your name. Sorry, but no, it's Yes. I'm actually picking the Steelers to win this game. And so that's me and Jeff picking the Steelers to win. And I think they're going to go on a road and, and I think they're going to do it. <laughs> I love this. Oh, he says Jeff has to pull his Wi-Fi when Lance predicts his. <laughs> <laughs> At least you guys are funny. At yeah, least you true. guys are yeah. absolutely funny when you do it. So Jeff, I want to go to the last topic that I have, the Steeler Pro Bowl selections. And give me the give me the uh, well, the Pro Bowl selections were DeCastro, Pouncey, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh Bud to not Bud three, excuse me, TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. Cam Hayward. And you Cam already, Hayward. You already said Minka. So they Cam Hayward. Any surprises Every, there? All of them are starters except for David DeCastro. Really? So, I thought David's well, I was hoping it seems like DeCastro and Minka and TJ should be the starters. Any surprises no, no, there? No, DeCastro is the only one not a starter. Oh, okay. So okay. Pouncey, Hayward, uh, Minka, and TJ Watt are all starters on the AFC team. You think before I ask you if Pouncey was des deserving, do you think uh, a boot company might have reached out to Pouncey during the two weeks off? You know, like steel toe boots. <laughs> if not, they missed a hell of an opportunity. You know, maybe they got a steel a steel toe ad. You know, I don't even know who makes steel toes. I don't wear steel toes, but yeah, I don't either. I'm um, thinking a steel toe boot company, maybe Timberlands, maybe oh, Tim's. He could have wore some forty belows, some forty below cleats, and uh, <laughs> you know, some Timbo cleats. 
that be his his because you know they did the, the the players and the cleats and the different causes um you know that yeah. they had my cause you know, my cleats yeah yeah my cause my cleats maybe his could have been some knockoff Tim's with Mason Garrett's uh face on on the end of his Tim's when he actually played. <laughs> that would be know, pretty funny. The, the Pro Bowl itself for me is is such a popularity contest, and that's what I hate about it is that it's not necessarily who does who's deserving. This dates back to when Cam Hayward was snubbed year after year because technically he's a defensive end in a three four scheme, and the voters were putting him up against guys like Von Miller. Well, they, they play right. a completely different position. That makes no sense. And then finally last year, I believe, was the year that Cam Hayward actually got in there because they realized, oh, wow, that's a defensive end, but he's not really that type of defensive end. Uh, but even Bud Dupree, it was the biggest snub for me. And when I wrote the article when they released the Steelers that made the Pro Bowl, I even added that in the headline that five Steelers make the Pro Bowl, Bud Dupree gets snubbed. Bud Dupree has nine and a half sacks. He has more snacks and more more snacks, more sacks than Judon of the Ravens, who made the team, Von Miller, who made the team, and I just didn't understand, um, you know, because T.J. Watt was the other outside line. They picked three. I, I just didn't understand because, to me, and you've watched a lot of film, the biggest area of improvement in Bud Dupree hasn't even been in his pass rushing. It's been in his run defense. Yeah, he's he been edge. He's so awesome. good at setting the edge and tracking down ball carriers from behind and tackles for losses. That's been what really popped off the screen to me. I'm like, man, he's playing a really complete brand of football now. And so for I, I was kind of disappointed to see Bud did not get in. And it was even crazy. I'm going to write this story for tomorrow that according to Dale Lolly of DK Pittsburgh Sports, Bud Dupree told him that he's not even an alternate. So let's wow. say Von Miller, who's been battling injury, says, I'm not going to play, which he probably won't play. That Bud Dupree's not going to get a phone call and saying, hey, congratulations, you're now in the Pro Bowl. It's it, I, I don't get it. but Yeah, it's, a probably be, yeah it's probably because he hasn't done it before. And also, I, I'm not sure. Have there, have there been two outside linebackers from the same team in the same position group make the Pro Bowl? I'm, I'm just asking that out there on the live chat. Um, cause it, I think that's another thing. I mean, I haven't seen two outside linebackers, you know, make it from one team. I mean, I presumably it could happen. Uh, but, but, you know, I have not seen it happen. Jeff, you want to close out the show? I have, I have one, one quick question for you. This is a to, to piggyback off Jesse George's comment. So the pro bowl is a joke. How many of those five players would you think is a legitimate shot of being all pro? Uh, it's, it's like he said, Minka and TJ. And I love guys that have two first names. First <laughs> name, that's just that's just great. Like he's he could be George one day, he could be Jesse one day. He has two yeah. first names. There you go. You know, GJ, JG. I mean, it, it's just you could call me J or you could call me G. Um, I, I think it'll only be Minka and TJ. Okay. And if it's I only one, it'll be Minka. I mean, I think Minka will absolutely not have TJ Watt as an all. It should be TJ. That would be the biggest snub of them all. I think it'll be TJ and Minka, and, and he's right. A, the AP All Pro team is what's deemed, you know, the it's higher the best honor. It's the best you know, of it's the best. Although that's all media, right? Or is that media and coaches? I'm not sure. I know it's not fan voting, so that's no. Good. It's not fan voting at all. Is it? I think it's just media. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's AP members. I well, let me close out this show like this. The Reverend Hartman has something to say, and it kind of X Eddie B puts two bucks in the tip jar. duck. Look, folks, let's let's not forget where we've come from. And I say we as in the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Seven and two. Okay, they were zero and three. They were one and four. Left for dead. To me, the fact that we are even talking about a potential playoff berth, I don't care how bad the AFC is. I don't care whether they would win a game. Getting into the playoffs would be a almost miraculous feat for this team. Let's not forget where we were at the beginning of this season. Let's enjoy the ride in the fact that Devlin Hodges this crazy story of an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback who gets this one in a million chance to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and lead them to the playoffs. Let's not forget 
where we started, period. Understand that although we might be upset when they don't play well, no one even thought they would be in this position just a few months ago. And so for me, sit back, relax, and just enjoy it. Because there's a whole, there are so many teams right now that are already in NFL draft mode. The Steelers, the Steelers are not one of them yet. Thankfully, because they don't even have a first round pick. But, but anyway. <laughs> Man, speaking of that, before we get out of here, I keep looking at these lists and I know that they don't have a first round pick, but I keep my fingers keep taking me to these mock draft picks. And I keep scrolling through the list like I'm going to see the Steelers, and I don't see the Steelers. Um, sorry about that, G. G. Alexander said um, we missed his super chat. Do you see it? I I can't go back that far. Shoot it again real quick, and we'll get it before we show up. Go and we'll try to get it. Um, NFL mock draft season is going to be really boring for Pittsburgh Steelers fans because unless they're doing a two-round, three-round draft, you don't have nothing. <laughs> And Wes answered our question in terms of all pro voting. Um, Wes Hickok said that all pro voting is strictly sports writer voting. The funny thing about that is that's favoritism as well. You know, sports writers are. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that that's as if they know better than players and coaches. I mean, it probably should be a combination of coaches um, and, and the media. At least, you know, maybe if you don't want to involve players because it become popularity contests as well, you know, maybe you involve coaches as well. But, you know, I don't know. Get, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but real quick, Jeff, real quick, look into your crystal ball. Do the Steelers make the playoffs? Oh, I said they were going to make the playoffs last week. You still believe I, it? Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs because Tennessee is going to lose every game. Tennessee is going to lose next week to the Saints and again to Houston. They're going to lose the every single game. something to play for? Not that that game even matters. they got to keep the number one seed. Oh, they're the number one seed? I think they're the number one seed. I guess they could be because San Francisco lost to Atlanta. Yes, San Francisco right? lost to so the number one seed. I think Seattle's the two seed, so I think they got to continue to win out. So in the NFC, it's high stakes. You better keep winning because, you know, you may not want to go to New Orleans as well. So you're everybody's motivated to win in the NFC. So I, I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to lose their, ne their next two games, and the Steelers are going to kind of backdoor their way in. I don't care how they get in. Just punch your ticket, baby. That's what Just I'm talking about. punch your <laughs> ticket, baby. Gee, I want to apologize for the super chat. Yeah. Uh, gee, next time, man, next time we do a show – and you guys are doing a show tomorrow. G, jump into the show. Jump on first. Ask like, you know, if you put in five bucks, ask five straight questions. And I promise that those guys yeah, will get to it. So, Jeff, anything else before we get out of here? That's it. That's it. Let's let's go Steelers. Here we go. And as always, listeners, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. We will see you. Well, next week is Christmas, isn't it? Yes, it is. Next well, Wednesday. Oh, it's Christmas. Um, We'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jeff will probably do a show on Christmas. I mean, we it's probably will. It might, it might be like middle of the day, but we'll probably do something. So, you know, we'll, we'll do something. But with that said, hey, happy holidays, everyone out there. I hope Absolutely. you enjoy it. Be safe. Enjoy it. Next time you see us, we'll be celebrating. Hopefully, the Steelers yes. will win. So, we'll see yes. you next time. Take it easy.